Welcome to the Hyperfast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyperfast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Shaw and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyperfast. This episode of the Hyperfast Agent Show, I am interviewing a big time agent. He closed nearly 120 million in volume last year. He is also a real estate investor. He is a serial entrepreneur. He runs several different businesses and he's now taking what he's doing at the local level, like proven that model for lead generation, lead conversion, and spreading it into other markets. Welcome to the show, Chris Craddock of the Red X Group. All right, welcome to the show today, Chris. I'm super pumped to have you. It's always nice to have someone local on the show. You know, we talk to agents from all over the world, so it's it's a real treat to have someone who's close to our to our own backyard, uh, just just down the road a little bit. So. Before we jump into all the crazy, awesome stuff you're doing, why don't you give folks a little bit of background of who you are and, and you know what you're doing today and, and how you got there? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm I'm really honored, blessed to be here, man. Yeah, respect you guys and what you guys are doing a lot. And actually, you know, just you know, some of the stuff that content you guys have been putting out has, has helped me grow a lot. So I, I appreciate what you're doing and the content you're putting out. So for me, I, uh, I graduated from college in 2000. I went on staff in an organization called Young Life. Loved it. Changed my life. That was just why I went on staff there. But making like 20 grand a year. And when my wife got pregnant in 2003 and she was going to stay home with the kids, it's like, got to do something. And so, because you can't live in the DC area on 20 grand a year. And so, went to the library, checked out every book on real estate and real estate investing. You know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like everybody's read and, uh, and just got the bug. So I read all the books and frankly, like an idiot. Uh, I mean, I, I look back at how little I knew at the time, just started knocking on all the doors of distressed properties and ended up making 12 times in four months what I made in a year. And, you know, continued doing the ministry stuff for, for a while. But in 2011, when, uh, you know, I got six kids. So yeah, we didn't- Six? Have- Did you say yeah, six and- kids? <laughs> well, we didn't have TV, you know, had to do something, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 2011, man, you know, it's like, if you have kids, it's like having all your money in a bathtub and somebody pulls the plug, like it's gone. And uh, <laughs> so I had to do something. And so I started, uh, I started fl- like, I was like, I need to flip houses and so do something so to make more money again. And uh, so I went back and, uh, you know, started doing Sir doing what I was doing before, but now short sales were the way to go. That was kind of what I was finding. And so uh, I, I ended up getting licensed just because, you know, the bank was giving money, you know, to an agent. Um, and, you know, obviously now short sales aren't as, as good and easy to flip as they used to be. You know, as I got licensed, I've also got a doctorate in leadership, you know, just through what I was doing in, in ministry. I read Gary Keller's book about the, you know, the millionaire real estate agent. It just made sense. I've always led large teams and, uh, yeah, started building out a, uh, real estate, a, lo- a retail team based on kind of the, the investor slash retail model kind of combining the two. Okay. So you, you focused on investing it sounds like like that was your that was your target niche your target market was investors so how did you how did you know that that you know when you got started that that's what you wanted to to focus on 
And, and how did you go from doing that with just yourself, you know, solo agent to, to starting to get enough business to actually build out a team? Yeah. What it ended up looking like was I, uh, when, when I started, I, I saw how to get kind of distressed properties because, I mean, if you go after, you want to hunt where the ducks are, right? And so if you find people that have some, some sort of motivation um, and, and go after them, you know, make phone calls, do it, and actually like bring that massive action, right? Um, just make enough phone calls. The combo of, of going after that and then also I have a pretty big sphere. And so when I was doing ministry stuff, I had uh, like in the mornings, I would just do, I didn't even have a CRM. I just pulled out my phone, went to the A's and just called everybody I knew with A, you know, in their name, Alan, Adam, whatever it was. And just called them and asked them what I could do to serve them. You know, how I could pray for them, like, like anything like that. I just, just tried to care and serve for people that that were in my, my group. And so it was funny because people, when I started reading the MREA book and started looking at real estate in the retail side, they're talking about your database. And I was like, just saying, be in touch with your database. I was like, well, that's what I've been doing for all these years. So I, I just started calling, you know, I, I would do what I was doing to flip houses, but then I would also just call my, my sphere. And I was just all day long, I'd just get on the phone and call and just ask people how I could care for them, how I could love on them, you know, what I could do to serve them. And it was just amazing because there's that law of reciprocity, right? Where you, if you do something for somebody else, if I give you a Christmas gift, you'll feel like the universe is out of balance if, uh, if you don't have something to give back. And so, you know, it was just kind of crazy. The more I, I cared about those people and the more I cared about the people that were my friends, you know, the more often they're like, well, how can I serve you? You know, and, you know, referrals, you know, all the other stuff, helping them with the, the real estate transactions just kind of blew it up real fast. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting way of implementing a lot of the principles that, that are taught in the MREA book, the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. So if you, if you go through your phone and just, just call one letter a day, like you did in one month, you'll hit everybody. So in a, with a couple of days off even. Yeah. Uh, so in a year, you're going to get 12, 12 phone calls, which is pretty similar to, to, you know, some of the programs and training in that book. So that's, that's pretty interesting that you kind of stumbled upon it in, in that way to, did a lot of them just tend to be investors or, or did you, were you just more drawn to people that were, had investor needs? Because it sounded like that, that became at some point a focus of yours. So, so like how, did, how did it become investor focus for you? Yeah. So I have like, more, like a couple different legs of the stool. And you know, the investor leg happened just because when I was doing ministry, I, I just made very little money. I mean, there were years where there were times where we were a thousand dollars away from qualified free school lunches for our kids, right? But I was doing it because I loved doing it. That investor side ended up blowing out and and you know blessed my family big time by doing that right. I would always talk about real estate investing, and and when I'm talking to people, talking about being in the real estate world, I mean HGTV is sexy, right? Flip you know flipping houses is sexy. Everybody wants to talk about it, and so when you bring it up and, and are able to add value to them, you know, cause everybody's thought about flipping a house or being an investor. And, and frankly, flipping houses is great, but the real wealth is built through like actually buying and holding. And so just kind of being able to just talk intelligently about that, almost everybody, if they, if they haven't thought about it, they've got a friend who has. And so the combo of just being able to talk about that to them and just being in their life, you know, just created so much, like in, in, 
insane opportunity for, for deals, not just investor deals, but also retail deals. Awesome. Well, how, how did it go from, from that in the beginning, you know, with just you calling once, you know, calling one letter a day, how did, how did it go from there to like, now you have enough business to, to start a team? And how did, how did you know, you know, when you were ready to make that first hire? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I look back and, you know, just this last year, the big goal in real estate is at least originally the big goal is to hit that 100 million mark. And, you know, this last year was the first year, you know, we did it, you know, just under 120 million. And I, I look back to where we started to like where we are today. And honestly, it was bringing people on. And it, it was interesting because, you know, you, you get a few people that are are good at what they do early on, picking the right people to come on. And then they had a lot of success. And, and honestly, now one of the guys who's, who's my director of operations now, he came on and I was like, I don't even know what the opportunity looks will look like in the future, but I know there'll be opportunity and, and I'd love to just run with you because I thought he was a high talent guy and he was just getting started and we started running together and he just started making a lot of money and things started going really, really well for him. But I didn't even know what the opportunity was at the beginning. I just knew that there, there would be opportunity. And uh, so he started having a lot of success. But I don't know, um, in Jim Collins, in, in that book, uh, How the Mighty Fall, um, talks about uh, some of the things that caused probably one of them is the, uh, the hubris born of success. And so we, we started doing really, really, really well. And so then I started thinking, and we brought on a couple more agents that, that had a lot of success. So then I started thinking anybody, you could hire any warm body and they were going to be successful. And we started bringing on a bunch of people that honestly, like they just didn't have any motivation whatsoever, any drive whatsoever. And there was no way to, like it just, I mean, it derailed us for, for a short period of time where we brought on all these people. I was spending all my time focused on these people that weren't, committed to their own success. And, uh, you know, and then, then we just plateaued. And it wasn't until we had a massive bloodletting of, of all these guys on our team that weren't willing to run hard. And then we started hiring correctly that we really started uh, going fast and, and running again. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. What, what do you think is the common thread between the people that made it and then what do you think is a common thread between the people that, that didn't? But I think a lot of people who are making hires you know, could, could use this information and learn from, from your experience here. Yeah. Well, listen, like, I, I mean, I love, I, I feel like the best in the world make the complex simple. And I try to, I, I've been trying to nail it down. And, and what we came to is, is these four things, people that are happy, hungry, humble, and smart, happy, hungry, humble, and smart and happy when, when I was doing ministry stuff, I remember a, uh, a guy that was uh, a pastor of a church kind of mentoring me. He said, hey, if somebody comes in from, from another church and wants to come to your church and they're complaining about where they were, tell them about somebody else's church because you don't want them there because it's just a matter of time before they're going to complain about you. Because people that complain will complain anywhere they go and the one common denominator is them. So you want people that are genuinely happy and generally happy. And sometimes they're in a bad situation, but if they're happy, that that's really good. Hungry. I mean, you can't teach hustle, right? You know, if, if they got a fire deep inside, they rip open their chest, they got a heart of a lion in there, then, you know, you throw gasoline on that fire and pff, the sky's the limit. But if they don't have a fire in there, you just throw gasoline on it and you just got a wet spot, right? Happy, hungry, humble. You know, I'm a learner. I said, I got a, do a doctorate in leadership. I mean, I, 
I spend probably a minimum of about an hour a day listening to podcasts. Like, I mean, your stuff has been really helpful to me. Uh, a bunch of this stuff, you know, I'm just always listening, always reading, always working to grow, always working to level up. And that only works if, if you know that you don't know it all, right? You, you learn from people that are, are a couple steps ahead of you. And, uh, and then smart. And it's not just about IQ. I mean, there's lots of people that have a high IQ, but it's also EQ. How do you relate with people? Um, are you able to to hear and and especially when you're in sales, you need to be able to to anticipate, right? Like Gretzky says, the reason he was good was because he skated to where the puck was gonna be, right? And so when you're talking to somebody in uh, in sales, um, you know what do they want? Can you anticipate that? And when we found those people that are happy, hungry, humble, and smart, I mean, it just like grew like crazy. Yeah, I like that. I like that framework: happy, hungry, humble, and smart. You know, I, I think one one of the the keys, like I think all of those things are are important, and and that's really a great framework and, and just way to make it simple. I think that second one is the one you got to really look for in the interviews, and and I, I call it financial thermostat. Like I, I think, you know, if, if if an agent wants to make fifty k, they're going to make fifty k. If they want to make two hundred fifty k. They're going to make 250K no matter, you you can give them both the same amount of leads, take away the same amount of leads, give them the same systems. Like, and, and, and the person that wants to make 50 will find a way to make 50. And the the person that wants us to make 250 will, will find a way to, to do it. Like I think people are just wired that way and, and you need to, you need to figure it out, like figure out what's, what's their motivation, what's their hungry level and, and really be careful. And I'm, I'm sure you get this, like in interviews, they, they say they've got a passion for real estate or whatever it is, right? But but the motivation is just not there, and it's yeah. You, you can't uh, you can't teach that. I don't think. And I found that to be true with uh, with my weight. I don't know about <laughs> about you on that, but it's so funny because like I know that um, you know if I'm a certain weight, like I'll see all my abs. It'll be it'll be great. But you know, I've I've come to grips like recently. Like I've I've been okay with being okay. You know, I'm not like I'm not fat, but I'm not skinny right now. Like I, but but as an athlete, you know, I want to be able to be a certain way. But when I get on the scale and I lose some weight, all of a sudden I tell myself in my head, "Oh, I can eat more. Go to my pizza today. I do whatever." And then I go back to that that same threshold instead of saying, "Hey, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better." And so that. That whole thing, I mean, I think it translates to any area of our life, you know, like you said, the financial threshold, you know, physical threshold, all of us, like we just get into this like loser's mentality or a winner's mentality and uh, you got to figure out where we're at. So I, I love that that whole threshold thing. Yeah, I, I think the connecting it to, to fitness weight uh, is actually very, very true as well. Really all things. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a fixed thing. I think, I think you can... I think as an individual, you, you can change it, right? One of, the, one of the best ways is like hanging out with people that are at that level of fitness or at, at that level of income or, or whatever it is, because then that's, that's going to that's gonna be your, your new environment. You're going to start to think that that's normal and, and you'll, you'll reprogram yourself. Like that, that's one of the ways I think that you can do it. And one of the benefits I think with you know, mastermind groups and coaching programs is just you're, you're, you're hanging around people that have have the thermostat set at a higher level. Absolutely. Preach. <laughs> 
what's 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 been the biggest ch- challenge uh, from growing your team? You know, from from when you started, which wasn't that many years ago, based on when you started in the business, to to doing a uh, hundred and twenty million or close to that last year. Yeah. So you know, our like I started. You know, we started going all in on retail and like move away from the investment, like being an investor to doing the retail side of it. It was December 2014. So it was basically five years to get to 100 million. And, uh, um, and so we've, we've grown really quickly. I think the hardest part was, you know, I, I mean, there, there's been a handful of things that have been a lot of things that are hard, you know, you know, business is, is easy and hard at the same time. Right. And uh, um, I think the hardest part is, is hires um, thinking, you know, that you have the Midas touch, you know, thinking that all, all of a sudden you have success and that you can touch everything and it'll be successful. I, I, it's still, it's still going to be hard, but yeah, I, I think that would probably be the hardest thing is, uh, is getting the business with the wrong people. Like you just said, you know, that as I've gotten to know, as I've looked at my, my leveling up over my adult life, every time I've leveled up, it usually comes uh, in conjunction with a new relationship. So yeah, absolutely. And you've, you've got a program now, you know, you mentioned to me before, before we got on the show where you're helping agents uh, get appointments, get, get leads, get, get closings in other markets now, right? Yeah, absolutely. So actually one of the biggest things that happened with us is, um, you know, we got tied in with a number of investors and a lot of these investors will, um, if they can't flip or wholesale a property, they'll throw away the leads because a lot of, and I'll tell you, I, I'm in a mastermind. I'm in, I'm in some groups with a lot of investors and they've spent a lot of time, energy, money on trying to monetize these leads. And over and over and over again, agents will get them and they'll just drop the ball. I mean, their closing percentage is terrible. And it's because they're coming at it from the wrong, the wrong vantage point. And so what, we, what I did, because I came from the investor world, I, I went after you know, some of these guys to get their leads. I was like, hey, send me some of these deals. Like this, this one group, you know, they have people that are licensed you know, in referral status so we can send referrals to them. But there's you know, ways to make sure that it's, it works for them. And uh, we started closing these deals like crazy. And so much so that it's, it's turned into a really big piece of ours and their business. And they have, they have SEO going all over the country. They've had it set up for years. And so they're getting appointments all over the country. And so I've been working to find good agents in, in some of the different markets so that when they get appointments, we can set them up, help them understand how to approach these, these seller leads so that they can monetize them, get them closed, and you know, send a good referral back, back our way. You mentioned you have to train them on these leads. Like why, why do you think agents or some agents at least struggle with closing seller leads that would be ideal for investors? Because, I mean, if these sellers are talking to an investor for a reason, I mean, they, they want something. So, I mean, let's be honest, there's, there's 4 billion real estate agents out there. So if, if they're wanting to talk to an agent, they're going to call their uncle's brother who's a hairdresser and an agent right now, right? So they're going to talk to somebody like that. So they're calling because they want something that they know an investor can offer. So an investor, usually it's going to be, they want it easy. They want it quick. They're afraid that there's too much stuff going on. So, so basically agents come in and they, they, you know, open up their listing presentation and go through all the other stuff. And, and these people don't want that. It's, it's like, think about when, you know, I bought my truck recently. And when I bought my truck, 
I had my old car. I could have sold it on Craigslist, right? And I probably would have made an extra thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, a couple of that, whatever it was when I bought that. But I just wanted it to be simple because my time was worth more than that. Like, so that was how I saw it. My time was worth more than like shopping around, having people come to my house, all the other stuff. So I just traded in my car. And so these people, they're willing to trade money and take less money in order to have it simple for whatever the reason is, you got to just be able to identify their pain point and give them that um, versus what most agents do and just, you know, pop open their listing presentation and try to, you know, sell it like everybody else does. How many of these are you closing or, or, or helping other agents close now? Right now, I've got 27, of, uh, 27 listings pending here in our, our market, over 10 million in volume. And are there... And then what, what about the agents that you're helping with these? So how to market? So yeah, we, uh, we just started open, opening these up literally about a month ago. And uh, I think we've set something like seven appointments. Some are, are happening right now. So, so we're getting everything together. So we set seven appointments in the last week. I know of the one that uh, one of them just, just went pending under contract. They, he, he got it. It was over half a million dollar list um, in Colorado, went pending under contract. And, uh, you know, full, I think it was just under 6% listing. Yeah, and that's the other thing is almost all of these were taking six, but I, I mean, I, it's not uncommon for us to take eight or 9% listings on these as well, because people just want, they want the number that they want. And so if you can set it up and, and solve their problem, give them that number, you can, you, you can charge a higher percent listing. And, and in our market, as you know, Dan, like our market, like, I mean, it's not uncommon. It's, it's around 4% that most agents are taking, but we're taking like almost double that on a, a number of these listings because of the fact we're solving problems. So it's, it's a newer, newer piece, like teaching other people how we're doing it here. But yeah, just getting started right now, um, you know, we, we've already proved the model um, in the fact that, you know, we just started sending them out. We already have one under contract and, and now we're, we're starting to do it at a much larger scale. Just with, I mean, we just have like just a couple agents and now we already have one under contract and now we're starting to do it on a much larger scale. Which markets, you know, in case someone's listening uh, and maybe interested in partnering with you on this, like what, what markets are you looking to, to add this to? Well, I mean, right now they're literally, they've got, I mean, we looked and, and we, we have over a thousand, a thousand leads nationwide. So we're, most market areas uh, we're in, but honestly, uh, anybody over over a two hundred thousand dollar average price point, if they reach out to us um, and they're good at closing, <laughs> and they're good at closing because of total meritocracy, right? We we only want to be in business with people that that can close. But if they're over two hundred thousand and can close, definitely would love to love to have a conversation for sure. Okay, well, if you're if you're listening and and you're doing deals over two hundred k and you know how to close, um, <laughs> contact Chris. But but only if you know how to close. Right? We don't Office know closing, no baby. <laughs> Are you a real estate agent looking to grow your business in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area? The Kerry Shull and Orange Line Living Team is looking for talented, motivated people who want to be a part of a collaborative and competitive team poised to become number one in the world by 2021. Our new agents have success at a rate that is nearly nine times the industry average, and our experienced agents average over $252,000 a year. Our industry-leading lead generation, training, and support systems put our agents in the best possible position for success. If you want to work hard, serve more clients, have fun, and make more money, then call us today at 703-661. 9756 or go to com. Yes, it's interesting that you're, you know, a lot of agents struggle to even get these deals, but then you're not only getting them, you're you're commanding, you know, premium fees to to 
to get them. And I, you know, I'd, I'd like to hear from you. My, my take is the, the reason a lot of people struggle with these is most agents are used to like the kind of the one shop stop concept. Like they, they know one thing and they think that that box every seller fits into. And that is, you know, you get the home, you, you make it look as great as possible. You stage it and uh, you know, you, you get them the highest price, but not, not all sellers value getting the highest price. Some of them want certainty. Some of them want speed. Some of them just want to be done. They're, they're emotionally, over the house or, or whatever reason, right? And, and for those people, like increasing the certainty and the speed of the deal, like outweighs, you know, maximizing the price. But, but most, I think a lot of real estate agents like struggle with that concept and they just, they can't get out of that, that box, you know, if you will. And yeah, that's, that's my guess is that's, that's why guys like you are able to come in and, and, and crush it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I love, I love the phrase certainty, um, like the Jordan Belfort straight line selling kind of ideas. Like when you can close that certainty gap for people and give them what they need now, and, you know, and again, part of this is, is being a good salesperson, right? Like a high D personality on the disc profile, you know, they don't, their certainty gap doesn't need to be as tight. I'm a high D personality. So I don't need as much certainty to believe, to gut, have a gut reaction that I feel like something's good you know, high C personality needs to know exactly that this is going to close. And so being able to go in and like you said, I mean, every agent, I mean, they just flip open their listing presentation. Let me, let me show you why I can list it. I mean, every agent's doing that. It's, it's, it's bogus. That's not how you sell. How you sell is find out what their problem is. So I played rugby in college. I've had three shoulder surgeries here. This one, I have one on, on my right and I jacked up my shoulder again. And like literally the other night, it, you know, about a month ago, it popped out of the socket again. And I just, uh, it's the worst. I do not want to have another shoulder surgery. But uh, I go into the doctor, these labrum tears. I go into the doctor and he starts doing all these tests and nothing, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, but then he does this one test called the crank test. He pulls it down. And I mean, I, I squealed like a little girl. And, <laughs> and I was like, he's like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> and and uh, before, here's the crazy thing. He knew what it was, but he was just poking around. But then the crazy thing is he does that and I, I scream, you know, and then he does it again. <laughs> and that is what a good salesperson does, right? You, you ask questions, you find their pain. And then once they find the pain, you push it, you know, you crank test it. And then they, they say, oh, I need to get out of it quick because of this. I need to get out of it fast because of this. I don't want to use an agent because of this, whatever the pain is. And then you go back and you push the pain again. You make it really hurt. And then you're able to offer the prescription, the antidote. And you're saying, okay, this is, okay, this is your pain. I get it. Here's how we get rid of this pain. And here's how we do it quickly. Instead of like, oh, we sell in this much time. We market to these many, you know, brokerages, you know, whatever, all the, all the stuff that every other agent does on their listing presentation, you find the pain, you push it, and then you solve their pain and then you win. So real important follow-up, did, did the doctor find the solution for your soul, for your sh shoulder? Are you, are you okay now? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to do PT. You know, I went through the MRI, which uh, have you ever had an MRI? Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. I, I, oh my gosh, I get a little claustrophobic and I'm in there. I'm just like, be cool, man. Be cool. Be cool. 
<laughs> but it's just so terrible. So I had the MRI and it's all like shredded and torn up, but it's not completely torn. So they're trying to do some PT so that I can, uh, you know, strengthen around it. So it won't pop out of the socket, but we'll see. I'm, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. Well, hope, hopefully they figure that out. But I, I think that that's a great analogy for, you know, dealing with buyers, sellers, really anybody in sales, like you gotta, you gotta spend the time up front asking questions, probing, like, like the doctor was doing, figure out what is this person's pain point and then, and then kind of stir that up a little and then boom, you come in and tell them how you can solve, how you can address that pain point. And, you know, with sellers, they're, they're all going to have different pain points and they're all going to have different objectives. So you, you can't come in with just the standard listing presentation and present the same solution to sellers that are going to have very different problems. Like, like there's a wide variety of problems and, and pain points that you can have as a seller. Yeah. And see, here's the crazy thing as growing our business, I mean, we literally went from 80 million to about 120 million by working with, with investors and being able to monetize these deals. And so many investors are skeptical. One, they're either like, oh, we're going to figure it out. And then they never do. Or two, the other side of it is they're all they've tried and they just throw the, they're like, it's just not worth my time. I've tried this thing. It's not working. And so being able to go like, I mean, right now we have over 10 million pending um, by doing this, being able to be able to go to these investors and solve their problems too. I mean, that's how you win in, in everything is like you solve problems and, and you get paid well for it. I mean, that's how you win. And so that's, that's that whole piece. And I think a lot of real estate agents across the, the country are not realizing that there's a lot of business out there that's just being thrown away if they were just to actually go after it. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, are you an investor yourself? I am. So I own a number of properties. So where I, I like, you know, I, I'll do flips. I, I'm, I've got one right now I'm doing, but I don't love flips. It just kind of, you know, if they come, you know, because I still feel like it's trading time for dollars and I, I want to get out of tra trading time for dollars as much as I can. I still, I mean, I'll do them because they're high time for dollars, but, uh, but I, I also own a ton of rental properties all around um, our local university, George Mason. Um, and um, actually back when I had very little money. So, so a lot of times people are looking at, uh, at investing and they're like, Oh, it's great. You're making all this money now. But I had very little money um, in 2008 when I bought my first one and I cobbled it together. I even joint ventured with my mom on it because I didn't have enough money for the down payment at the time. But by buying there and renting to college students and again, doing ministry stuff, I, I found like, you know, Christian ministry kids that are like good kids, not throwing keggers and destroying my house. But uh, since 2008, I've had zero days of vacancy in any of those properties. They literally, two, two seniors move out and two sophomores move in um, since 2008. So, and, you know, they're paying off all my properties and, and it's awesome, you know? So, yeah. And are most, most of your rent, like what's your typical rental? Is it single family, condo, multifamily? Yeah. So um, what I've found is the the easiest ones, the best ones to rent are these uh, ramblers with a basement right near, uh, near Mason. And, uh, you know, I'm able to rent them above market value because it's, it's two students that uh, you're allowing them to come in because the rental market is really rough to students. Um, so you're able to rent a slightly above market value. And, uh, you know, you want a minimum of four bedrooms, um, but sometimes you can get more 
you know, some of these have more than four bedrooms. But yeah, if, if you follow that model, um, you can get, you know, you can get students in that, that will just want to be there. You know, and I, I want to be less than a mile from campus so they can walk, ride the bike, you know, whatever they need to do to get, get to campus um, pretty easily. And then you'll, you'll have a waiting list uh, of people to get in. So you're, you're getting people in and then are, are you like renting the rooms per room basically to, to them or are you splitting? Oh, uh, no, I want to, I want to make it easy. So, so what I do is, uh, I rent, uh, I just, I rent the property out. I, I put one person as the house captain. So I just went through these ministries like Young Life and Campus Crusade and whatever. And I just say, all right, one person is the house captain. You're the only person I want to deal with. I want my 3,200 bucks every month by, by the fifth. And I also, again, you know, I could do property management. I may open up property management at some point, but in the meantime, I do just four man's property management where I just order a, uh, a home warranty on all the houses, like 500 bucks a year. And all of my rentals, I charge them a hundred dollar uh, fee for it, like a service call. So they pay the fee, the hundred bucks. And, and I also put their name on it. So anytime like a toilet's leaking or whatever, they just call the the home warranty company. They you know they send out a, a plumber. They fix the toilet. They pay the plumber the hundred bucks service call. And I all I get is an email saying that, that the plumber was out there. And the only time I'll get a call is if there's something bigger that you need to deal with. So that guy, the house captain's probably going out and finding roommates or whatever, right? You're like you're not you're not dealing yeah. with it. So you yeah. yeah yeah, and because because it's just like these. Uh, the ministries, you know, they all have like 50, 100 people in their groups. So, you know, the, you know, two older ones go out and that's kind of what they've, they've just done. Literally all of these groups do the exact same thing. They just go find two sophomores, every, every two seniors find two sophomores and they just fill the house. And I don't even have to think about it. I just say, you know, I need a co-signer and, and the four on the lease. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of, of doing it. Cause you, you, you typically get more, than, than market rent if you're if you're renting it to a group or making it a group house as opposed to like you know one family or whatever you know renting it and, and uh, the way you've got it set up is is a pretty cool idea because it, it takes away a lot of the management and finding the the one off yeah you know renters and and, and stuff like that so it's that's, it's a pretty good uh, combination there of, of profit maximization but but you know, getting some distance on, on the management piece. Cause I'm sure between that running the team, doing, doing over a hundred million, like six kids, right? Like time, time, <laughs> times, uh, you know, hard for you to come by probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've started a number of other businesses around it construction. Like anyway, you've got a number of other businesses and just, I just don't want to trade time for dollars. I want to be able to use, uh, I've got a big, a big poster in my, my office that says live in your genius zone. And so anything that's not in my genius zone, anything that's not in that 20%, I'm like ferociously trying to get off my plate as fast as possible. And so last thing I want is another job. <laughs> what, what, what is the, the genius zone for you? What's, what's your special sauce? Oh man. Oh, this is what I'm, this is what I'm working on. Like <laughs> always just trying to refine it, you know, because anybody that's an entrepreneur is, is probably, generally pretty good at a number of things. And so, you know, the, the hardest part for me is like saying, okay, I'm generally, I'm better than most at this, but this isn't like the highest and best use of my time. So for me, what I'm, I'm trying to, what I've narrowed it down to is, um, is 
finding and uh, and training talent. I think that that is that is the thing that nothing will be better better served in my organization than me finding better people to be in, in business with who I can then you know invest in and help them do better. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at some of the people in in our organization now, and I mean they're better than me. Like they're better than me in so many different, in, in their particular way, their closing ratios start going higher than mine because they're, they're better at being systematic and following up. I mean, like there's just a number of things where, where I look at people that are, are better than me in their areas. And I just want to, you know, give them more stuff and, and allow me to kind of, you know, create vision and recruit talent to that vision and then train them. Yeah. I think you dropped a lot of like, Great nuggets, nuggets there. I mean, you, you, I've I've heard a number of successful people say echo a couple of thoughts there. You know, one you, you gotta you gotta learn what to say no to, right? And, and the best entrepreneurs are the ones that can get to the point where they're saying no a lot more. And then and then two second point that really jumped out at me is is hiring people that are smarter than you. Like you, you know, you may be able to do a lot of everything, but, but the more you can find people that can do certain aspects better than you, like the, the bigger you're going to grow, the more success you'll have. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, and I saw, you know, uh, you know, when we talked, whatever it was like four or five, six months ago at that event where you were saying that, you know, as you guys saw a lot of growth, I mean, obviously with the social media stuff that you were doing, but also putting people in, in places so that like you stop being bottlenecks on, on that, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. You see that like across the board, but why are we so slow to learn the fact that, you know, just because we're good or talented at things, like doesn't mean we're not a bottleneck, like get, get, get stuff off our plate, you know, focus on that small little precision stuff that we're good at. So yeah. Anyway. And I, I think a lot of real estate agents struggle with that. Like they think that there's certain things that nobody can do better than them or that the client will only do with them. And, and I, I think, I think that that stops growth and it, it, you know, prevents, prevents them from, from getting to the next level. And it, it prevents them from getting out of the business of trading time for money. Yeah. Cause we, yeah. we only have so much, you know, time and, and, um, you know, you, you want to be able to have the option of spending more time with family, friends and getting involved in, in ways to give it back to the community or, or, Whatever it is, so you, like you, you gotta you gotta get over this belief or mindset, or you know, if you're a solo agent out there, a top producing agent, or, or just anyone struggling with this, like there are people that can do every part of what you do almost better, and and just quit believing that you know it has to all come through you. Yeah, and if if you don't find the people that uh, that can do it better, it just means you're not in the right rooms. That's it. <laughs> Like you said earlier, who do you need to get, who do you need to get in a relationship with your coaching or masterminding or, or other stuff? Yeah. John Maxwell stuff is like, you're, you're only going to, you've got to grow to the extent that people want to be in business with you because if, if people, and, and that's honestly, one of the things that I've seen over the last few years is I'm constantly working to level up through what I'm reading, listening to who I'm hanging with all the other stuff. And, uh, you know, as I looked over the last, as the last few years, a lot of people that are in business with me now 
probably we would have been friends before, but probably not wanted to be in business with me because I wasn't the leader yet to attract those kind of people. So I just had to level up so that I would attract people that, that are excellent at what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. Great stuff. Our, before we wrap up, I want I always like to end with my hyper fast round. So just a couple of rapid fire questions, uh, quick answers. Are you ready? Bring it. <laughs> All right. What is the biggest piece of advice you would give to a new real estate agent? Uh, just do it. Do it, do it, do it. Call, 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 call. Don't stop. All right. What about uh, an experienced agent? Depending on where they are, they probably need to do the same thing. Just talk to more people. You know, an amazing salesperson will always lose to somebody that's willing to talk to more people. What's What's been the biggest learning experience or event or, you know, whatever uh, that, that happened to you as a real estate agent? It was when I was flipping, I got, I, I kept saying yes. And I think one of the things you said is, is, you know, being able to say no to things. I kept saying yes over and over and over again to, uh, uh, to good deals that we were flipping. And part of the reason why I, I moved to the retail side was ended up being on the hook for 10 million bucks that I, I owed. And it took a long time to, to get out from under that debt load because we couldn't just, we couldn't turn them over fast enough. And so it was, it was crazy. So yeah, say yes to the right things and, and not to everything, every good thing. All right. Last one. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Well, I, I hope that I'm still, uh, I hope I'm still here. I love the DMV area. I love this area, but uh, really working to increase our footprint. Um, I love, I, I love helping um, other agents, other people, other, other folks, um, you know, really achieve at the highest level that they possibly can achieve. So I, I really would hope to uh, be in a place where I'm, I'm helping others uh, achieve at a higher level. All right. Awesome job, Chris. You survived the hyper fast round like, like everyone else does as well. But um, great show, by the way. Great, great, uh, great stuff today. I think, you know, real estate agents at all levels can, can learn from what you're doing. If people want to connect with you on social media or reach out or, or maybe bring you an investor deal or get investor deals from you or whatever it is, like how should they connect with you? What's, what's the best ways? Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to connect with, with anybody that's looking, especially in this niche that we're in. So my website, just my name, chriscraddick.com is one of the easiest ways to connect with us. And then, yeah, feel free to send me an email, chris at, at theredux.group.com. I'd love to. And I'm on Facebook. We have a, yeah, feel free to connect there or, or my, uh, my page, Chris Craddock, you know, business page. All right. Well, guys, connect with Chris. He's doing amazing stuff. Uh, thanks again for being on the Hyperfast Show. And to all the listeners out there, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfast Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyperfast shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.